For most of her life, Meryl Nagulian was an investment banker, a sober-minded woman who specialized in municipal bonds and lived quietly with her husband in a two-story house in Los Angeles. She had never heard of Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Then Meryl rented Stranger Than Paradise, a Jim Jarmusch film in which the female lead, a Hungarian teenager, becomes obsessed with the Screamin' Jay Hawkins song, I Put a Spell on You. In the film, the girl listens to the song over and over, and as Meryl watched the video, she found herself rewinding and replaying those portions of the movie where the girl plays the song. Meryl had never heard anything like it. I put a spell on you. Because you're mine. Stop the things you do. returned the movie and bought a CD. And after months of listening, Meryl Nagulian decided to write Screamin' Jay Hawkins a letter. In the letter, she asked Screamin' Jay if she could be his biographer. Now, Meryl had never written a biography in her life. She had never written anything in her life. Like I said, she was an investment banker specializing in municipal bonds. But Meryl didn't mention this lack of experience to Screamin' Jay. She only said that she was a big fan of his music and that she wanted to tell his story, and then sent the letter to a P.O. box and waited for a reply. Three months later, Meryl came home to a message on her answering machine. This is Jay Hawkins. I understand you want to talk to me. Give me a call. I'm in Paris. So I just called him. Um, and first thing, you know, was I told him that I wanted to do his life story and uh, work on that as a, as, a, as a project. And he said no. But he kept talking, we just kept talking, we just kept talking, and before you know it, he'd ask me to call him back, and then he'd call me, and we just started talking as friends, and um, he developed a friendship on the phone. They would talk about the blues, about their families. Soon, they were talking almost every week, then almost every day. Screamin' Jay invited Merrill to visit him in Paris. He decided to name her his official biographer and told her things that he hadn't shared with even his most intimate friends. About his six wives, several of whom he hadn't bothered to divorce. About his dream of being a respected opera star. He also told Meryl about his children. And what he told her shocked her. Screamin' Jay claimed to have 57 children, maybe more. We were sitting in his living room. He was sitting in his big easy chair. Uh, and we were talking about the kids and... Uh, he said, yeah, he said, I fathered you know, all these kids all over the world. And he said, man, would it be something for one day to find out who they were, where they are, and what the heck they're doing? And then he looked over at me and he said, Mara, you do it. And at the time I thought, yeah, funny joke, <laughs> sure. <laughs> They continued to speak, write, and meet regularly. Most often, they talked about his children. He seemed worried that he hadn't spent enough time with them, interested in trying to make things better, but confused about how he should go about it. 
Then suddenly, last February, Scream and Jay Hawkins died. The next time Merrill saw Jay, he was lying in a coffin at his funeral. And it was quite shocking to me, at least, because it was, we were at this funeral of, you know, a blues legend who's traveled all over the world, has fans all over the world, because I get all the emails from them all over the world. It's amazing. And yet there was not one child at the funeral. Not one child. After the funeral, Meryl returned to the States with a clear sense that the best way to honor the memory of her friend would be to find his children for him, to reunite Jay's family. She decided to start a website. Its purpose? To locate the lost, the missing, the unacknowledged children of Screamin' Jay Hawkins. She would call it Jay's Kids, and it would feature a section where people who believed themselves to be the children of Screamin' Jay could write in post their histories, experiences, and contact information so that others could read and respond. Merrill figured that after she found the kids, she'd have a big party, invite everybody to come and meet and talk about their father. In March, the website went online for the first time. The woman who designed it had warned Merrill that the project would be slow to start. And she said, you know, you know, when we get this website up, a lot of people have websites up, and, you know, they don't get that many hits. They might get, you know, one, two, three, four, maybe 100 hits, you know, in the first month or something. So don't, you know, don't hold your expectations too high. And I'm like, okay, so all right. So when we, we, we actually finally got the site up, um, I think we had over a thousand hits the first day. I'll put a spell on you. Because you're mine, mine, mine. Oh, 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 oh you're mine. Denver, Colorado, birth date 61066. I have always felt soulful. Because of this feeling, I think there's a distinct possibility that I may be the love child of Screamin' Jay Hawkins. My mother may deny this, but I want to take my rightful place as one of Jay's children. Thank you. They write from Colorado and California, from Houston, from Cleveland, from Yugoslavia, from Clifton Park, New York, from Dayton, Ohio, from Rome, Italy. Most of them seem to have some horrible trauma some terrible history which prompts them to write. I am an orphan, one writes, a man who lists his birth date as 4-16-69. Recently, I was able to track down my mother, Esmeralda, a Spanish prostitute who lived in the Bronx at the time of my conception. I had a long talk with her, and we were able to narrow down the list of possible fathers to a group of Russian fur traders, her brother Carlos, and Screamin' Jay Hawkins himself. There has always been something in the back of my mind telling me that I was special in ways that I couldn't yet understand. Deep down, I know I am his son. Jay represents salvation for these people. He is the lost or displaced fact of their existence which, once recognized and claimed, will lift them out of their loneliness and misunderstood obscurity into the bright sunlight of love, fame, community. They write to the site in the hundreds. Meryl didn't anticipate this when she set up Jay's kids. She didn't know that she'd received long lists of hopeful messages from other people's unhappy sons and daughters. 
didn't realize that it would end up taking days and then weeks and then months of full-time work to log and organize the entries, to process and fact-check the claims. In short, Meryl underestimated the epic scale of her friend, failed to appreciate the level of devastation and inspiration that a single man could trail behind him. Screamin' Jay Hawkins, born Jalacy Jay Hawkins, was raised in Cleveland, Ohio, the adopted son of a Blackfoot Indian. His first marriage to a high school sweetheart ended after six years, supposedly when Jay found his wife in bed with another woman. Suki Leanne Hawkins is the first child of this first marriage, the oldest of what was originally thought to be 57, but is now estimated to be closer to 75. Because Screamin' Jay left when Suki was small, she has only a handful of memories of her father. Mostly, though, Suki remembers Jay's absence, remembers long days of sitting by the record player in her mother's apartment, listening to her father's music. I would listen to his voice, listen to the words, so I can get some kind of idea what kind of man he was. Because he wasn't there to teach me, so I have to get it from his music. I do that even today. I used to miss him a lot, and I used to cry a lot, and I used to wonder if he knew he had a child. Do he remember he had a child? Do he remember he got kids, period? I said, well, he don't want a family no more. He don't want kids anymore. And, and that's the way I love it. The older Suki got, the less she saw of her father. He would stop by occasionally if he was in town, but he rarely wrote. Suki felt rejected, abandoned. She decided to forget her father and build her own life. Then, shortly after Suki turned 30, she saw an advertisement for one of her father's gigs in the paper. I just so happened to be reading the paper, and I saw Screaming Jay Hawkins in Peabody's Down Under in Cleveland, Ohio. I called my mother, and I told her. She called her sister. So me, my mother, and her sister, and my sister, we went to go see him. They dressed in their Sunday best, filed discreetly into the back of the room shortly before the concert started, and made no motion to Screaming Jay as he walked on stage. Just sat quietly and waited for him to finish. And then I said, well, you know, we're not just going to walk out of here and he don't know we're here. We're going to go in the back and see if we can see him. We're not allowed back there. I said, I don't care. We're walking back there and we're walking up those steps and we're going to see if we can see him. We got as far as seeing him before his bodyguards tried to push us back down the steps. But before they can push us back down the steps, my father looked. He said, leave those two, those two girls alone. And they said, why? They shouldn't be up here. He said, those are my daughters. I asked him, did he love me? And I didn't have no smile on my face when I said it. I think I was saying everything I always wanted to say I never got a chance to. Why did you leave us? You don't love us. He didn't want to hear that. I wish I hadn't did that. I wish I just had it said, I miss you. I love you. Jay grew cold and quiet during the reunion, and after Peabody's, cut Suki off completely. He refused contact with her, and as a result, Suki knows very little about the latter half of Jay's life. Of course, she never knew much about her father to begin with. Didn't know, for example, that Jay had other children. You don't ask your father, oh, did you make other kids? No. 
I wasn't thinking nothing like that. I, it didn't even dawn on me that I had other brothers and sisters. I didn't have a hint. I didn't have a clue. I said, hello, this is Deborah, and I'm calling to speak to Screaming Jay Hawkins. He said, this is who? I said, Deborah, Deborah Rowe. So I said, well, I'm just finding out that you're my father. And I said, I'd really like to see you. If nothing but one time in life, I'd love to see you, just to see how much of me is there, you know? Deborah Rowe was 23 years old before she found out that Screamin' Jay Hawkins was her father. She grew up in Atlantic City, one of 13 children. Apparently, Deborah's mother had had a brief affair with Screamin' Jay and managed to conceal it from her husband and child, but not from the other members of the family. Deborah's cousins knew, her sisters and brothers knew, her aunts knew, everyone knew, and everyone was afraid to tell Deborah. I've never even heard his name until my cousin Eddie told me. He said, do you know who you look like walking in here? I said, yeah. He said, who? I said, my dad, because I always figured I looked like, you know, my daddy. So he says, no, who is your dad? I said, Clinton Rowe, because that's what I was raised to believe, is my dad. He asked me three times, and I said, Clinton Rowe. He said, you never heard of a man named Screaming Jay Hawkins? I said, no, who the heck is that? For a whole week, it was on my mind. I couldn't think of nothing else but. And it was just eating me up inside. So that's when I started thinking, well, let me see if I can find Screaming Jay Hawkins. Deborah spoke to an aunt who called a friend who called another friend. And within two days, Deborah had her father's number in New York. She called and they made arrangements to meet at the Port Authority bus station in New York City. It was Deborah's first trip outside of New Jersey. And when she arrived, Early on a Saturday morning, she realized she had no idea who to look for. Deborah had never laid eyes on her father, never even seen a picture of him. Then this man walks, this tall man walks up to me and say, Deborah. And I looked at him and all I said was screaming Jay Hawkins and he said, yeah, come on. Then we get to his apartment and I see all these skeletons and my God, and fireballs and stuff he was throwing around. So the first thing I did when I got in his apartment was made him strip down, all the way down to his boxers. I had to see how much of me was there. <laughs> and he did it. He took everything off but his underwear. And he looked, and I looked him up and down, and he turned all around. Then he started telling me how he got this scar from the, the center of his chest all the way to the center of his back. He was telling me how these women tried to take out his eyes. He had scars up here. Had somebody stabbed him with an ice pick, and oh my God, it was a lot of wounds. They spent the weekend trying to get to know one another. Mostly Jay talked, and Deborah listened. He told me one time, that he used to get a shot from my mother in the phone booth on his breaks while he was entertaining. Get a shot. He called it fur burgers. <laughs> That's what he called it, fur burger sex. Right, from my mother in a phone booth on his breaks from entertaining in Atlantic City. So I guess that's how I got here. Now, did you ask him, 
you know, whether or not you had any brothers or sisters, or did he talk? That question never came up. I, was, I don't think I was concerned about that. When news of the number of children came, released shortly after Screaming Jay Hawkins' death last February, both Deborah and Suki were shocked. Suki Hawkins. I was at work, and somebody came over joking to me. So what number are you, Suki? I said, what you mean by that? I hear your father got 57 kids. I say, what? Where you hear that from? You haven't seen the news? So what you, number 54, number 35? I said, no, I'm number one, and I don't know about no others. Then after that, I went and got a paper. My girlfriend, Jeannie, has a computer. She said, Debbie, you got to see this. Your father's all over the internet. Come over. So I told her I'd come over that next day when I got off work, which I did. And there was so much on the computer, I didn't have time to sit there, you know, and look at it all. She said, can you believe your father had 57 children? I said, oh my God, is that on there? She said, yeah. When I got the newspaper, I went in my room and cried. I cried. The only thing I said was, oh my God, 57. I hope I didn't lay up with none of them because I have no idea who they are. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> I'm sorry, resentment. Because my last name is Hawkins. So is my sister. These other kids, what's their last names? You don't want to share that with nobody. That's my family. That's my father. A picture I found of me and my dad when I was 24. Wow, look at that. In July, Suki and Deborah met in Chicago. The meeting was arranged by their father's biographer, Meryl Nagolian, who had decided that it would be nice for a handful of Jay's kids to meet prior to the big reunion party. She thought of it as kind of a practice run, a chance for the kids to casually get to know one another and contacted about six sisters in the Midwest and East Coast to see if any of them wanted to come. Four sisters agreed. Suki and Deborah were the first to arrive. Suki Hawkins. The first one I saw was Deborah. And I had mixed feelings. So tell me, how did you find out that my dad was your dad? Deborah Rowe. When I first met her, I just wanted to hug her and tell her I'm happy to see her. And the first thing they said to me, oh, you look more like him than I do, you know? The lips. That bottom lip. <laughs> Suki Hawkins. I'm the type of person, I can't hide my feelings. I'm not going to sit up here and play. I'm so glad to see you when I know I'm not. I don't know what feelings I'm going through right now. I'm just... We were the first. When your mother and father's married, that's all you think about is your mother and father. You don't think about nobody else. Ain't nobody else shouldn't be in the picture as far as I'm concerned. Deborah Rowe. She starts saying, well... I don't want to share. I'm number one. That's my father. I'm looking at her like, what is wrong with you? We're here. Believe it or not, we're here. There's nothing you can do about that. You can't take us and shove us nowhere. It started rough and got worse. Suki's sister Irene arrived, and then another daughter, a woman who had never met Jay named Colette, and Meryl Nagolian showed them all a recently discovered video clip of Jay. In the clip, Jay ups his estimate of his own progeny from 57 to 75, and as soon as his first child, Suki, heard the new number, she started crying. She kept insisting that her dad hadn't fathered that many children, that he was just being provocative, that she was sure he didn't have more than 10, maybe 15, but definitely no more than that. This is when Colette started crying. 
All in all, it was a pretty rough morning. And six hours later in the hotel bar, Suki was still struggling to come to terms with what she'd heard. Merrill had mentioned earlier in the day that her website, Jay's Kids, had identified over 30 of the 75 children. And Suki was worried that Merrill wasn't being strict enough in determining who was and who wasn't a child of Screamin' Jay Hawkins. I want to know how she know they all legit. That's what I want to know. And then I want to know why she believed the ones who have birth certificates, but they don't have my father's name on it. Why do she believe them? Despite the trauma of the Chicago mini reunion, Meryl is going ahead with the big party, now scheduled for February of next year. Also, despite the trauma of their Chicago meeting, both Suki and Deborah are planning to go. Deborah Rowe. It's good, you gotta know your family, you know, because God forbid you go lay out with your cousin and you never knew he was your cousin. <laughs> That's crazy, you know, I would be sick as a dog. It's a must-know situation. <laughs> Suki Hawkins. Am I looking forward to it? I'm kind of apprehensive. I have to accept the fact that my father had all these kids. That's all it is to it. The man got some more kids out here. Meryl Nagolian has invited all 33 of the children she's identified to the big reunion party in February. So far, over 20 plan to attend. For NPR News, I'm Elise Spiegel. Spell on you. <laughs>